Sana, how are you doing? Great. And why are you great? It's sunny, it's not cold, and it's not hot. It's, it's just, just right. I think I just threw up a little bit. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> Because that was so corny. <laughs> wow. Isn't it funny that we talk together sometimes? Yeah, it's like our podcast is the only time that we ever really talk. The most interesting part of it is we don't plan to talk together. <laughs> it just comes naturally. If you are in a relationship, you have two gardens, your own garden and that of your beloved. First, you have to take care of your own garden and master the art of gardening. In each one of us, there are flowers and garbage. The garbage is the anger, the fear, discrimination, and jealousy within us. If you water the garbage, you will strengthen the negative seeds. If you water the flowers of compassion, understanding, and love, you will strengthen the positive seeds. What you grow is up to you. If you want to make peace with the other person, you have to go home to yourself. Go home to your garden and cultivate the flowers of peace, compassion, understanding, and joy. Only after that can you come to your partner and be patient and compassionate. Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh. Thank you. Vietnamese uh, philosopher. He's a great, great deep thinker. And I highly recommend people look him up. Right. Uh, where's the book that you bought? I mean, where are the books that you bought? Hmm. I bought two over in Vietnam. I'm going go to go look for them right now. Supposed to read them here. All right. We've got Breathe, You Are Alive, and then another one titled Intimacy. I think that's the title of it. Something like that. Basically, how to be intimate with your partner. Thich Nhat Hanh is a great thinker, great philosopher. It's how do you say it? Not. Nhat. 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 Ang. Ang. Tip nak ang. Okay. That's how you say it. Great philosopher, great thinker. Uh, if you're looking for a... Uh, he's very uplifting. Very uplifting way of viewing the world. And I uh, highly recommend. He's He's got so many books. I've been thinking of writing, writing a book. And I just... I always psych myself out. But then you just re... If you every day write 500 words within, I think it's, what is it, two months, you'll have like a 30,000-word book. And that's a res respectable book size. And that takes 500 words per day. How many of books have you read? I have read portions of two of them. The Breathe You Are Alive, uh, The Intimacy, and then there's another one that I meant to buy over there and didn't buy. That's right. It was on the shelf at one point, and then I went to buy it, and they didn't have it at the bookstore. It's called No Mud, No Lotus. Oh, right. I remember. And <coughs> we also went together, and we were like, uh, we already have enough luggage to carry. We yeah, we weren't looking for... Kindle. Yeah, we weren't looking for more weight to add to our collection that we were going to put in the suitcases. Looking for things to get rid of, not to add to <laughs> things we were going to pack. So, since you have read the books, mm -hmm. um, what are some of your favorite parts in these books? Um, it's hard to say, like, there's one part that's my favorite. I will say that 
as a Christian man, I find a lot of um, parallel in the the things that he says to the truths that I believe are found in the scriptures. Now he's he's a Buddhist man, so he's not a Christian. But I th- I think that if you were to compare his writings and his thoughts, you would see a lot of parallel to the thoughts that are in the scriptures. So I don't uh, I, I don't regard uh, however you say his name. I don't regard him as on par with like a Paul the Apostle or the writers of the canon of the scriptures, but I have a lot of respect for him because I, I think that he speaks from the heart. He speaks uh, just, he speaks truth. He, he says things that I think people really need to hear in this world, especially this world that we live in where community is so lacking because of a number of things. It's just comforting to know that there's a man out there who just says what is on his mind. He he spends a lot of time in solitude and a deep thought. Money is not his motivation. Uh, he, he, he lives the life of a monk, and that's admirable in many ways. I believe he, he, he was exiled from Vietnam, wasn't he? I'm not sure yes. about his life. I... I just know his name, and I know he's very popular around the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent a good part of my life in Thailand, and I always said one of the reasons why Thai people are so compassionate and they're kind and calm, it's because of their belief. They believe in Buddha, and Buddha make them calm. Mm-hmm. They don't have um, attachment, <coughs> many of them I mean, don't have attachment to material, and... Um, they care about each other. And I love the way they love dogs. <laughs> In King of Thailand, um, peace be upon him, he was alive. You would see any public appearance. He would have his dog sitting beside him, his wife and his family behind him. And everybody. And I think I read or somebody told me about the story that why you don't let your children, your wife, to sit beside you. And said, when I was lonely, when I was sick, when I needed um, um, somebody to beside, be beside me, my dog didn't close his eyes day and night. Mm-hmm. And he passed away in Christian hospital in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, they said the dog was just standing beside his bed with eyes mm-hmm. open, not blinking. Yeah, it, it, it. I only spent just a few days there, and you spent. You you actually lived there as she presses the button to lower the standing desk. <laughs> you actually lived there for a good at least ten years, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Ten. I mean, even if I was out there, I had to go back. It was like my home. Yeah. Home. That's actually a place that Sana and I have discussed. We're not. We're not making any plans to move right now because we just made a major move that we're still recovering from. But that is among the places that we have discussed settling someday. Someday I'll. I don't know when that will happen, but we have discussed it. So we'll see what happens. But we don't have any immediate plans to do anything of that nature right now. So, um, yes, he's, he's a great thinker. Now, I want to discuss a little bit about this phrase that he just said that that we opened up with we have two gardens and we you and I have talked some about this in private conversation we we've been talking about how uh, 
we have, and I think we talked about it with my dad recently when we interviewed him. We have, like I have James to take care of and worry about. And then uh, I have the marriage to take care of and worry about. And, and so we, we have two different domains, two different entities to worry about. Like you have your health, you have your own well-being to worry about. And then you have the well-being of our marriage to worry about. We both have two separate gardens. And I think that that was, he, he was alluding to that concept. I think every human being, they have uh, both attributes, good and bad in them. And uh, it really depends on uh, the up- upbringing and how, in which community um, they have grown up. And of course, the very first education starts from family. So from the day the kid is born, the baby is born, and up until the time they reach to the age to be part of a community, like nowadays kindergarten, to meet friends and people who are not their mom and dad, and they are actually feeding their brain and teaching them how to think, how to walk, how to talk, how to dress up, and how to be socially and internationally acceptable. And that starts from the day that they start walking and actually parents put them into an an education center. And that's where kids start, you know, experiencing things by their own without help of the parents. So I think um, it's it's something very Persian, like in uh, my country, parents always think that women, the mothers, up until that time, they must stay home and watch their kids closely because that's the foundation. And if the foundation is built firm in the child's you know, life, no matter what schooling they get, nobody can destruct that. Now, during that period, the kids can develop two kind of, you know, as Nadang said, seeds in them, you know, um, it could be the good and bad because human being by nature, they have intuition. God gave them the ability to think, to decide. And that starts even, you know, when the, I believe when the baby is inside the mother's womb, why do you think when the baby is born, it will be so uncomfortable and cry because they choose not to come out from their comfort zone. That's the very first time any human being start feeling the pinch, anxiety, fear, being in um, an atmosphere of unknown, listening and hearing to the voices and sounds that are not familiar. And that's the first shock and trauma to human brain. So like you said, in this kind of a world we are living, if we do not have the, that very best foundation, uh, according to our countries, you know, elders that ho- who taught us, then how are kids going to survive in this world right. if, you, if you do not equip them with the right tools to make the right decisions for themselves? I mean, this what he said is so deep, and I don't know how long I'm going to talk about it because when I saw this, I think it was last night about 2, 3 a.m., it took me one hour to go back to bed because 
I am the kind of person that I think a lot at night. When everybody's sleeping, I feel like I should not sleep. That's the time that I can get all the power from universe. Uh, and it's maybe selfish and other people who are enjoying their sleep, I can gain some energy out of it because it's all directed to me because I am I want it to come to me. And I have thought nonstop just about this little quote and passage. And all these things that I just told you was part of my thought last night. It also depends on the geographical location, nation or culture, country a human being, an individual is born. When, when you are born in a place, that place is your whole world. Up until the time you actually get education to learn about the universe, galaxy, the earth, that there are actually other countries and nations and people living, you know, out of your boundaries that you define for yourself and you feel it's your safe haven. And what you actually start doing is you try to learn and adapt to that everything. It's a mess. And we are bringing kids in this world and as a parent, you want the best, but at the same time, you're shaken within because you know you're not going to last long on this earth to be always the guardian and protector of your kids. And you cannot also, you don't have enough time. And of course, the brain doesn't allow because our brain is so limited to teach your kids or that individual every necessary tools and equipment or whatever required for them to survive in this world. Right. So you are preparing another kid, another child for a failure in the future, basically, because you try to, as much as possible, impose anything you have experienced, fill the pension, pain and mistake, right. fall into the same pit hole like you, but at the same time, you don't know that you're causing a great harm here, I think the word of Nathan comes to reality where it says, what kind of seed you are trying to plant? Mm -hmm. what, well, I think my question or my addition to Nathan will be, I will tell him, uh, it's not about what kind of seed I am going to water. Right. It's first the, the question or before the quote that you wrote here, you have to also question the people who are given this angels, babies, kids as a, you know, uh, lease or rent because they are not owner. Uh, what kind of a seed are you preserving in them so they can, you know, water it in the future? That's also something we have to consider because it's very arguable, whatever he said. I'm not saying he's wrong. I really love what he said. It's true. So anyways, um, yeah, that's another philosophical or deep thinking that a lot of people can argue and think that I am wrong. Um, or there, there are people who probably much more educated and torn many more shirts than me, and they have better experience in life, and they can probably, you know, send us review or advise me or our listeners or readers out there. Um, that's, that's one more thing. Now, coming back to adult, let's put this quote, not, not go too deep into the beginning. Let's just say we start from uh, the surface. The, you add it to our relationship, so I want to add it to our relationship. Like in marriage, two adults who already brought up in their own mindset, 
um, they come from different culture and background. They both think their culture, their thought, their lifestyle is perfect for them. And they are living under the same roof. Um, it's, it's funny to say that because I'm married now, but 12 years lecturing, I always told the boys and girls in front of me who said marriage is important. Who said that you must grow up, get a degree and marriage, number two in your life. You must do that. Men and women, are they the same? No. Why do you try to build a home with the same roof with two perfectly opposite gender and ask for harmony, unity and understanding? It will never happen. If anybody says we have the perfect marriage, we have perfect unity, they're lying. The biggest lie in the whole humanity will be, I have a perfect marriage. Well, and that's because it, it, the marriage is made up of two people who are not perfect themselves. And so, of course, there's going to be imperfections, both in the individual and in the marriage right. that is made up of two individuals. Imperfection starts from the birth that right. I explained. So that's, that's the thing. So marriage is the choice. You made a choice, I made a choice, like many other couples. We decided to marry and live together. Now, do we have to ruin each other's life? No. If we make decision to live together, there definitely there should be a purpose of this bond and unity. And I don't think anybody in this world want to have this bond and say, um, I, I started this bond because I want to grow evil and demon and, and you know, darkness into my home. Uh, but everybody might, want to see, experience real love, kindness, compassion, understanding, an ear to listen, somebody who be there when they are lonely, if they are sick, if they are happy. Uh, basically, the two people come together to make each other complete, to bring the best out of each other and make each other's life better. Not for a selfish purpose, not you know, thinking about individual themselves only. But in every decision they make, every step they take, they will question. It's no more single life. They will, they will always, forever in their life, will have this pre-question. And every married couple in this earth, on this earth, every time when they want to make a decision or step one foot front, they will close their eyes in their mind. They think, how would this affect my partner? How would this affect my children? And third is, how would this affect my family? That could be, depending on your culture, is it your parents very important, uncles, grandparents, far relative? These are the three questions. And again, we come to Sana's rule three times, basically. That is not working. We, we cannot even get into the, you know, quotation that, Nathan talked about which seed are you watering in your partner's life or relationship. First, every married couple have to see whether they're actually doing this foundation basic, you know, um, check checkup before basically doing anything in their life after marriage. If that is happening, then good. I think everything fall into the place rightly because everything is in open there is transparency um every every little decision made 
be it from drinking water to purchasing a house or land or even education of kids, hospital, everything, you know, everything is discussed in an open, you know, air. And um, it will be fine. That means everybody is happy. But if two person, two adults come together and get married and they want they believe this marriage can complete some uh, hole in their life that they were having for a long time, or if this marriage is a very good means and instrument to complete an, an incomplete task, or if this marriage should be uh, the reason why I have to reach to my plan that I had in life and I never reached to, if a, any partner in the, you know, getting to marriage, thinking that this person I'm getting married must make me complete. If not, there is no love. All these conditions that are one-sided, the marriage will be completely a failure. Now, if this person start deciding to get married with the other party and with this mentality, because this negative seed is being watered in his or her life, Ultimately, because the plant branches and grows, it will also affect the other partner, ultimately the kids and family and everyone else. Like I said, the two partners come into the marriage and they do not have those, you know, pre, is it called pre-attest? Pre-attest? Pre-what? Pre-what? Pre-assumptions or something, I don't know. what. Presumptions? Yeah, pre-assumptions. Before you get married? Yeah, presumption that this marriage should be perfect by the oh, other party. Yeah, like, like a that. presumption or an presumption, assumption. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they are just there to sit. And every day when they wake up, they will start planning together for development, progress, and bearing in mind, again, where they are living, what resources they've got, and how to use the little resources and multiply it together. If both have growth mindset, definitely they will expand their greed and it will feed their compassion or passion for their career, family, love, everything else fall into the place. Right. You have put a lot of thought into this, far more than I have. And so I've definitely enjoyed your take on Tik Nyat An. I still can't say it right. Tik Nyat and what she said. So I, I love your, your, um, your take on, on that. But, and the little thought that I gave to that quote was to the marriage. And you, you went far deeper than the, the thought that I put in. You very comprehensive parents, children. But as you were talking about children, it made me think about my own birth child and your stepchild, Gabriel. And the, the huge responsibility that parents have towards their children, not just to provide and put food on the table. That's all, that's basically what's expected of you. That's, that's like the bare minimum, if you ask me to just uh, take care of their, their earthly needs. But when you bring a child into the world, and especially when you are separated from uh, the, the birth mother, and you're forced to live apart from the child. For me, it, I became acutely aware of the impact that I'm having on his life 
as his father. Not just his immediate life uh, with, you know, how he interacts with other children, how, how he deals with grief, hardships, disappointments in the here and now, but how my interactions with him today are going to impact his entire life. Because children become, especially boys, they become their father, for better or for worse. And, you know, there are a lot of people whose opinion of me that I value. I value the opinion of uh, somebody who employs me, either as a contractor or maybe an employment situation. I value your opinion of me greatly. Uh, But probably, and I mean no disrespect to anybody, but I value the opinion of my son of me probably more than anybody else for the reason that his opinion of me is going to have a huge impact on his opinion of himself. And I don't think anybody else on this planet can say that. Uh, The way that my son views me is how he's going to view himself. And so for that reason, my interactions with him, my conduct when he is around is of the utmost importance to me just because, you know, I'm not raising a boy. I'm raising a man. And it's not going to be long before he's making his own decisions, major decisions that are going to affect a lot of people. And if, if I don't take seriously right now the responsibility to show him the right way to do things, the right way to think, the right way to act, the right way to respond to adversity, He's, it's going to reflect in his own decisions that he makes when he's grown up. And when I was, when I first met you and we were talking about um, marriage and what life would look like when we're married, the big, a big motivation for me to go through the things that we went through, all the, the hardships of the visa and the the waiting and traveling from here to there and there to here it, it it was it wasn't easy but what kept me going and what motivated me in the first place is that my son he's going to be an adult very soon and the influence that both I and Sana and I have on him you know we're going to be his parents for far longer as an adult than as a child and that's what I just, I mean, I just kept my, telling myself that through everything. Uh, so I, I appreciate the, the, the wisdom that you shared based on this quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. And uh, it just, as you were speaking, it triggered those thoughts in me. So I wanted to share it with you. It would be nice if on the cover or description somewhere that our audience can see actually this quote and read it again and again because last night i kept reading this quote again and again and again it's like every time i read it it was a new quote for me each time i read there was a new idea planted into my brain um so i think as though, even though it's so philosophical and we are not really educated in this field, but um, 
as an intellectual or those who already got some education and read some book, um, we have some opinion of our own and it's better to share it, whether it's bad or not, you know, pleasing or if it's good. Um, I always say to my students, um, there is no bad book or textbook. Everything in this world is positive and good because even if you don't read bad book, you will not know the value of the good book. How would you know the book that you have read is good if you don't know what is bad? So you have to come to the darkness in order to seek the light. How would you know the light? So that's how the system of human life is. You cannot eliminate the bad seed that he's talking about. It is necessary to be planted in our life. We have to a little bit water that bad seed in our life in order to be able to appreciate the good side of our life, the positive side of our life and human life as well. So uh, when he says the choice is yours, personally, my choice is I will a little bit also water the bad seed to also appreciate the good ones in my life, the blessings that I have or compare to see if I don't choose a way to go, what would be the, you know, results. So I don't just hit my head to wall and break my head and I don't know what happened just now. So we need those bad seeds in our life as well. But we have to be very careful. We have to be smart. Like Jesus said in the Bible, be smart and cunning as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. We could make an entire podcast just on the concept of uh, gardening. Uh, There could be a podcast if you're looking to start a podcast. Start one on uh, horticulture and how it applies to life. There's so much that we could talk about. Sadly, we're out of time. What? And this topic is perfect for our podcast, Babojdan, because um, like I said in Persian, Babojdan means a lot of things. And this is one of the concepts under the Mm. topic of Bojdan in Persian culture. Beautiful. That's that's why we do this show, because I, I love how things come together like that. You have been listening to Baboshtan. My name is James, and this is my wife, Sana, who keeps pressing down the button to lower the standing desk. Uh, so thank you for listening, and you can find us. I know that I keep giving different URLs, but they all go to the same place. We have Voshtan.com. We also have jamesandsana.com. We have a number of free offerings so that you can get to know us on a deeper level. But uh, I think if you listen to this podcast, it's deep enough to, to want more. So if you like this show and if you want to help it grow, send us a, a note and let us know. The reviews on Apple or podcasts are fine. If you want to do that, that's great. Uh, we would appreciate it. But we would appreciate even more. Just uh, reach out and say hello. And the best email address is podcast at jamesandsana.com. It's podcast at jamesandsana.com. We value input and direct feedback from people who listen to our shows far more than any review that you could leave on Apple. So if you feel inclined, leave it on Apple if you want to, great. But if you really want to do us a solid, send us an email uh, and let us know what you think of the show. It really means the world to us. So thank you for listening, and we will be in your earballs soon. To get to know James and Sana on a deeper level and to learn how to support our little show, go to Voshdan.com. That's V-O-J-D-A-A-N.com. <laughs>